0: Before we have our reading, uh, just to let you know that after the reading, I'd like to tell you a story. Jesus often spoke in parables and stories to try and get his message across, so I thought I would try the same thing again. So after our reading, I hope you're sitting comfortably, and I'll tell you a story.
1: The reading is from Luke, chapter 4, and starting at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he hath anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll Gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord.
0: It's a muggy morning in the city of Topeka, Kansas. The sun has been up for hours and through the window the roads appear to have taken on a river-like quality as they wave and ripple beneath its waves. Rave. In a well-respected part of town, Betty, Arnold and their daughter Susie were getting ready for church. A normal Sunday. (coughs) There was the usual chaos and general rush as Susie, being three and a half, insisted on getting herself dressed. Doing her own hair and attempting to tie her own shoelaces. Her mother took one last look in the mirror to adjust her hat, and finally, after only one tantrum, which was quite good going of late, they left the church. It was only a short ride in the car to the central congregational church, an imposing building towering over the growing town since the 1800s. There was a familiar buzz around the place, a relaxed and friendly atmosphere as the community talked to neighbours and friends and caught up on the latest news. As they all settled down, a dark figure slipped silently into the back of the pew, unnoticed. A hush descended on the congregation as the Reverend Maxwell entered the church to lead the procession. Full of finery and tradition, With the organ solemnly playing, they all stood, respectively. Susie loved this part. She loved the feeling that something special was about to happen. The quiet anticipation, the rustling of robes, the flickering of candles, the understated grandeur of it all. Susie sat down next to her mother and nestled into her warm lavender-smelling coat as she prepared herself for the next hour or so determined this time not to fidget too much or yawn too loudly. She was doing really well. She got through two hymns, the prayers, the reading, and even Reverend Maxwell's sermon without getting told off once. They stood to sing the final hymn, a rousing rendition of Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee. As they sat down, One figure remained standing, a dark figure at the back. He shuffled to the end of his pew, unable to remain unnoticed, unable to remain silent any longer. Reverend Maxwell noticed him first, and he strained to focus on the shape at the back of his church, The lull in proceedings alerted the congregation, who began to fidget and murmur to themselves, wondering at the cause of the interruption. He shuffled slowly, deliberately down the aisle, head bowed in humility, reverence, pain. As he approached Reverend Maxwell, he raised his head, and let out an audible sigh. The silence was deafening. All eyes had turned to look at the imposter. Susie grasped her mother's legs and peered nervously round them. When he spoke, he spoke with a soft, southern drawl. Betty's neighbours and friends leaned forward to hear I'm sorry for the interruption, and I'm sorry for being here like this, but I don't know how else to get your attention. I'm not an ordinary tramp, although I don't know of any teaching of Jesus that makes one kind of tramp any, any less worth saving than another. Do you? He spoke without accusation, without malice, but with a questioning tone. I'm not drunk, and I'm not crazy, and I'm perfectly harmless. But if I die, as there is every likelihood that I might in a few days, I want the satisfaction of thinking that I have my say in a place like this, before this sort of crowd. The congregation was stunned into silence. Uncomfortable with the intrusion, but equally curious as to what could have led to this man's need to disrupt their quiet Sunday ritual. He turned to address them with his story, his loss of job, death of his wife, his inability to cope with his three-and-a-half-year-old daughter who'd been taken into care. These things had all led him to finding himself alone and on the streets, desperately searching for a job. He told them that for the last three days he'd been going about their community, trying to find help. It seems to me there's there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist if all the people who sing such songs went out and lived them. I suppose I don't understand But what would Jesus do? This story sparked off the phenomenon of WWJD bracelets, bumper stickers and t-shirts. The what would Jesus do question has proved a useful tool to challenge us to take a step back and maybe see a different perspective, God's perspective. This story and the passage we've heard read Remind us that the kingdom values are often so very different to ours, at least to our first response. There have been plenty of uh, radical, kingdom busting social reformers. There's been William, William Wilberforce, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela. But our focus is on Jesus. What did he come to do? Born into the turbulent times of the Roman occupation, into a society that prized strength, materialism and patriarchal supremacy, laws to obey, standards to be met in order to achieve perfection and acceptance. He came to show us and tell us that we got it all the wrong way round. It was hard to hear then, and it's hard to hear now, Who are the marginalised and the poor in our society? Using worldly values, it would be easy to state the obvious. The homeless, those in need of food banks, maybe. And yes, there is an obvious physical need that we can help with practically. As a church, and individually, we do reach out. We have links with footsteps, fever, street angels, to name a few. And these are an enormously important part of how we show our love for God and for others. But what if we were to ask the question using kingdom values? What do we mean by the poor? The definition of the word poor is not just used to relate to money, obviously. It's also used to mean deficient, lacking in something, needy. What about the poor in spirit? In our passage today, when Jesus reads from Isaiah, he is not just speaking about the practical freeing of the captives and healing the physical sight of the blind. He's speaking about setting their hearts and their minds free. In our society today, we're just as much captives to the world. It pulls us into its materialism, Self-worth derived from success, status, individualism. We are called to show the world that there is another way, that the values of the kingdom are eternal and everlasting. So how do we do this? It starts, may I suggest, with our relationship with God. From this relationship flows all the love, all the acceptance and perspective that we need to make a difference. It's about our relationships with each other, with our friends, with our neighbours. Maybe it starts with extending our home in radical hospitality. Instead of just inviting friends round who we owe for dinner, maybe we invite those round who are not just on our A-list. Maybe it's about biting the bullet and striking up a conversation with somebody that doesn't look like us, talk like us, dress like us. So what happened to that man in that American church? It's not an overly happy ending, I'm afraid. The Reverend Maxwell took him into his house, but he died a few days later sending shockwaves through the community. This story is based on a book, In His Steps, by Charles Sheldon, well worth a read if you fancy it. It was written in 1896, and in it, Sheldon wrote about this community in Kansas, about a Reverend Maxwell who designed a sermon series intending to leave the congregation on the cliffhanger each week to encourage them to come back for the next exciting instalment. However, this particular story touched the community so profoundly that they took the question, what would Jesus do, into their daily lives with dramatic effect. We are not all called to be overseas missionaries or work in the slums of India, thank goodness. But we are called to walk in Jesus' footsteps, to live out kingdom values in our lives, Jesus was perhaps the ultimate social reformer but as his followers we too are called to ruffle feathers. It does not always need to be in starting revolutions on a grand scale or joining in with protests or marches but maybe and most importantly it is in how we reflect the kingdom values in our lives. Maybe The question is not what would Jesus do, but more of a statement of intent. Let us do what Jesus did. I'd like to take a moment to reflect with you on where we are with this in our lives. Is my life reflecting kingdom values? Is my relationship with God deep enough to give me an eternal perspective? Am I willing to play my part in God's kingdom? As we listen to this song, I'd invite you to close your eyes, open your heart, and listen to God.
1: People saying yes, hear your people saying yes to you. Yes to anything you ask, yes to anything we call to do, hear your people say amen your people say amen to you. Let your kingdom come on earth. Let it be just like we pray to you. Yes and amen everything that's in your heart. Yes and amen Everything that you have planned, you have to see your will be done. We'll be
0: kingdom come on earth and give us your grace, help us to receive your love help us to go out and live your kingdom values in our lives in Jesus name we pray, Amen
1: Kia, thank you for